Welcome to the Emergent Podcast. On the episode today, we've got uh, Daniel Engelbretson of Shift. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, all things AI going on in your world over there, I see. How would you say the uh, you know consultants and uh, knowledge workers of the world right now are embracing and extending uh, AI as well as the students? Yeah, it's definitely definitely a hot topic. Uh, I think you have a couple of different camps out there, and I hear less of the negative camp uh, these days. Uh, maybe it's just who I talk to, and more of the positive camp. Uh, I, I think people are more and more coming around to kind of the realities that it's here and it's something we need to be thinking about proactively. But I would say, you know, there's all kinds of research as I'm sure you've seen of the, the kind of boons to be had and the leveling of the playing field, you know, both for consultants and professionals, but also for students, you know, and using generative tools and things like that. So I, I would say that the conversation seems to have gotten a little bit less negative in my world in the last few months and maybe it was six months ago or so where there's all this like doom and gloom that was coming and a lot more yeah. there's a lot more data a lot more stats a lot more comparisons a lot more just newsworthy chatter on it so it's been really interesting well and it's interesting too because if you're if you're a knowledge worker now and your whole entire existence is based on uh delivering some knowledge and delivering you know the proverbial deck as it is and now it's sort of like you can choose chicken or the egg. You can choose to either uh, turn that playbook and turn that knowledge into something that extends it via AI, right? And turn that into a, a, into a workflow that's automated by that and then amplify your intelligence with that. Or you could choose to, you know, pretend that that's not going to happen now. Um, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a tough thing for people to figure out how to do uh, well, maybe it's a tough thing to accept that you you could either 100x yourself with uh, using uh, AI to amplify your uh, your your cognition, right? To drive that forward, or you can uh, sort of just you know let it let it pass you by a little bit. But we've seen that before, you know, even with the web itself. So this is sort of that big uh, inflection point here. Where either you you know you're going to take a, a the bull by the horns or you know you're going to get run over by it. So is it? I think maybe now that uh, initially people might have been a little bit uh, scared of it. Um, not everybody. There's still always been some people that were were initially right off the bat very excited about it. But I, like like you said, I think some people are starting to come around to that. And how do they? You know, like what's the best way at this point if you're a knowledge worker to encapsulate? Uh, you know, your algorithm per se, um, and get it out there? Oh yeah, that's that's a really good question too. And I, I think one, one uh, concept that I read in a book called The Technology Fallacy, uh, which is just related to digital transformation in the first place, which I would argue that generative AI is just the next wave of digital transformation in this context. It's, the book's all about, you know, it's actually a human change management thing. But one of the concepts that's in that book, it talks about the half-life of skills. And there was a study put on by like the World Trade Organization in 2017 that said, if you quit a job, within five years, half of everything you know will not be relevant. And then a couple of years later, IBM did a study and it was two years. And then a couple of years later, this book did a study and it was six months. Six months. And this was like a year or two ago. And so... 
So what you're saying is not talking to JavaScript programmers because it's five days. Yeah, exactly. With AI, it's, it's like, what? And the point I'm making here, which I'm sure you already grasped, is the speed at which your, your skills are going to become irrelevant has just got, yeah. in a knowledge worker context, has just rapidly increased. And you know, yeah. so where that really plays out is with, and, and one way that really plays out is talent acquisition and retention. If you want to get good talent, then you're going to have to have an AI policy, you're going to have to have a stance on it, and you're going to have to have development around it because that talent is going to know that if they don't stay fresh, they're going to be irrelevant. And, and yeah. that problem is bigger and more real than ever before. And so one way to think about this is if you're not actively developing your point of view, your body of knowledge, your actual chops with it, some, somewhere on the spectrum of what does this mean to me, if you're not actively developing that, the speed at which you're falling behind is incredible. And another key point, and I'll pause, is not just that, but previously for someone to come in and take your, take your knowledge, you know, take your spot in that knowledge train, the barrier to entry was higher, but now the barrier to entry to displace someone or something is substantially lower. So today you may not have line of sight to anybody who can disrupt you or what you do or what's unique to you, but the time in which it will take someone to come along is just way faster now. So you may be totally ignorant to who could potentially take your spot and they could just come out of left field. So point is, but, you know, the onus is on you in a big way to stay fresh and stay plugged in because the speed at which you're going to get behind is just rapidly accelerating. Yep. As a, as a developer and as a platform maker, that's some of the stuff that we're working on right now is taking knowledge workers and what might be, you know, we used to call the playbook, right, which might be, you know, what you would call the algorithm. It's that knowledge that you have that people bring to you that you use to formulate a, you know, a framework around how to deliver a, a, a knowledge-based solution and then uh, encapsulate that as AI, right? So you turn your playbook and, your, and your, your own knowledge framework into something that's AI and then you can 100X yourself because now you've, you know, you, you're, you're feeding that, right? You're taking control of that and you're turning what is basically you know, your intelligence into artificial intelligence and then extending it uh, further and that you know gives you greater scalability as a knowledge worker um, you know so I think maybe that's possibly that's the way to, to to look at this is you know what can I do right now to take what I'm doing and just 100x myself and not wait for somebody else to come along and uh, 100x you right out of existence do it yourself right now um, and then allow yourself to to deliver that through uh, an AI interface to you know thousands of companies at the same time yeah, absolutely. And one analogy that gets used a lot here is the calculator, right? Or, or I like to use the finance calculator because it's a bit more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. You know, when I got my MBA or whatever, I took a finance class with a finance calculator. There's a whole class on how to use the calculator. And now all I need to know is what order to put, push what buttons to answer what question. But as long as I know that, I can get the answer. But if I didn't have that calculator and I didn't know that, the body of knowledge to be able to answer that and the time it would take to do it take you forever. And so like I think about basically whatever your skill is, if you can break that down to what are the buttons that you're having to push, either like conceptually or literally, if you can get that broke down to the actual order of the buttons, then you can replicate it with the with the AI. And then like you said, you're you can hundred X your productivity. 
And so it's all about finding, you know, and documenting what are those things and what's the order. So you can take, you know, with uh, LLMs now and generative AI, that's one of the big breakthroughs on this is that it doesn't necessarily have to fit into a spreadsheet. It doesn't have to necessarily be some sort of, you know, formal algorithm. We can take all the unstructured data and all the unstructured knowledge that consultants and knowledge workers excel at delivering, and we can, we can utilize that unstructured data and that un unstructured knowledge to deliver services through AI interfaces right now, and then also interface those with the, the rest of the typical workflows that are going on inside of uh, enterprise applications. I think that's a huge opportunity right now. There's you know millions of knowledge workers out there who who could you know 100x their practice right now by taking all that unstructured knowledge and allowing it to be uh, the bridge that gap between the structured world of software and the unstructured world of uh, knowledge workers and pool that together into one flow. Yeah, yeah, just a riff off, off of that. Um, where that became really real for me, like when I when I first stumbled across ChatGPT, I'm kind of like one of those people, you meet them, they like to try all the new stuff, like whatever, it was $20 a month or whatever, I'll try it. You know, and so as soon as I heard about it, I was like, sure, I'll try it. And then everybody was hyped about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep trying it. I'm sure I'll figure out, like, why this is so cool. Like, it was fun to play with. But, like, I'm sure I'll figure out what, what this is about. So I just put time into it. And right out the gate, one of the first use cases for me was every morning when I'm exercising <laughs> early in the morning, uh, I would have these things I had to get done in the day that I would just turn on my voice recorder and record whatever my top of mind thoughts were on whatever I needed to do that day. And or like maybe, maybe it's a podcast I'm coming on, maybe it's an event I'm speaking at, maybe it's whatever. I would just, as I was running, you know, I'd just be saying it out loud, you know, at 4.30 in the morning and nobody's around. And I would take that unstructured data, throw it into GPT and have it crunch out of it, basically the outline of all the stuff I said and the key actions and the next steps and whatever. Turn it into a little table. I wrote some script that actually wrote it to a SQL table so I could re-reference it later and different promises and stuff. And like I did all that, just messing around with ChatGPT and talking about 100x, like you know that time productivity-wise, it's okay to not always be productive all the time. But productivity-wise, for the first hour of my day, I wasn't achieving anything. Well, now I was able to do two things at once, and I got I eliminated like whole actions I didn't I didn't have to take anywhere. I just double dipped, and I got faster at doing it. Uh, you know, so so really seeing that unstructured to structure, and then how do you deploy that later? You know, was that that's really really where I started, and that's when I was like, "Wow, there's a lot, there's a lot I can get done with this." So it just kind of went from there. Yeah, it's a heck of a productivity increase for it too, but it's also creating a, a system of scalability for you as a knowledge worker. So it gets you past uh, potentially past, you know, just uh, hours for dollars, right? Because there's only so much you can do with that. But if you've encapsulated that now and then interface it with a line of business applications and other workflow applications in an enterprise, right, where they can, those, those systems can interrogate that knowledge. Now you've just scaled yourself to thousands of simultaneous clients. Seems to me like that should be a, a super exciting thing mm -hmm. uh, for all knowledge workers right now. Yes, and, in that, in the, and it, just to play forward a bit, because you can apply this a lot of different ways. Once you have that unstructured data, that voice recording, as long as you store it somewhere and you remember where it's at, well, as the AI yeah. gets better, you can come back and reprocess it. 
So for example, when yeah. GPT-4 Turbo dropped like a month ago or whatever, and the token limit went up to 128,000, well, I used to have everything chunked into like two 2,500 word chunks because that's the best it could do. Well, now I can just reprocess everything through 128,000 tokens because the speed at which yeah. the, the stuff is innovating is just incredible. So it's like going back to like the conversation earlier about what do you need to know and how, why should you be learning? It's like, hey, what are the things I could do now that as the models evolve, I'll be able to take advantage and I don't have to do a bunch of rework, which is kind of like going down the prompt engineering path of like how much time should I put into prompt engineering because every iteration, it gets a lot easier to, to prompt. So if you're going to invest a ton of time into prompt engineering, you're probably going to lose that, you know, in six months or three months in, in the next round that drops or whatever. So it's, it's interesting to think about. Yep. Well, and then there's multiple layers of prompts, right? And I think we're always going to be having to, to, to redo those, right? Because we've got prompts and decision-making that can lead to other prompts uh, and responses that come back and then chaining that whole flow together, um, you know, into an entire knowledge base of, of it. I mean, maybe it never ends, yeah. you know, maybe we're constantly upgrading our models and we're constantly upgrading our, uh, uh, um, ability to to utilize those models either through prompts or other mechanisms but I feel like it's the uh, the flow right now for the for the uh, the knowledge worker the consultant right the person that's going out there that delivering that is just a it's a, I don't think I've ever seen I've been you know in this space for 30 plus years I don't think I've ever seen a bigger opportunity for people who deliver knowledge uh, as for a living to uh, uh, explode the size of their practice right now. Yes, and also to just be so much happier <laughs> because a lot of the right, stuff right. that takes a lot of time, essentially you're just intaking information and moving it as a human. You know, yeah. like you're intaking right. this information, Organic intelligence. you're synthesizing something out of it and you're moving it somewhere else. And that's the stuff, that's the part that takes the longest. But if you can really yep. capture what am I taking in and what am I synthesizing and where am I moving that to and why, if you can get that really captured and written down, you can get the AI to do it for you. And then you don't have to spend all your right. time on that. And what used to take you, yes. what you could get done in one unit of time, you can get like five units done in that time or whatever, or 10 or whatever. And so, and the speed is incredible. Like, like especially you start getting into asynchronous processing with like Python. Like you're not even processing one prompt at a time. You can process as many as yeah. you want at a time. So like when you're doing like sentiment analysis on some yeah. text or something like that, you know, it's just crazy how fast you can go. With Elixir, you can do a hundred thousand or a million at a time. You know, but that synthesis right there is still uh, valuable, right? But encapsulating that synthesis in a in a in a knowledge worker platform that allows you to uh, scale that synthesis. That's that's a whole different business model. That's a business model that didn't exist a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's never existed before, right? So it's like we've got to pull uh, all of the the knowledge workers together, the people that are delivering that kind of thing, and say, hey, I think you really have the power at your fingertips right now, right? The ability to synthesize that knowledge and expand it with scalability has never existed before. The the bottleneck has always been the human, mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't mean that those humans are going to disappear. It means that you can now extend your synthesis ability, extend your intelligence, and scale it to the point where you know you're almost like you're creating a machines of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, from there, 
the sky's the limit on how many people you can sell it to. Yeah, so like uh, going back to extending, yes, there's time savings, but instead of just pocketing all that time, one of the challenges I put to myself was I want to do better work that has a better response from the client and takes me less time. So like where previously you did one thing, now you can do two. Where previously you had to stop here, you can take it a little further. Or previously, like your scope, you could you don't even have to change your scope of work. Your scope of work can be the same. You could just deliver more yeah. and say, and it's a surprise. Yeah. And they're like, wow, because you're able to go so and much faster and higher quality. Exactly. So so it can be purely just about doing better work better. It doesn't have to be just a cost savings thing, you know. And I think that's where you, I yeah. think that's where some some people don't take it as far as they could, you know. Because if you just look at it as as how can I save money or cut labor or whatever, that's really short sighted. I, I look at the, the triple yeah, constraint totally. where it's like you can be faster, you can be better, or you can be higher quality, but you can't be all three. That's what people say. Well, now you can. You can be faster. You can be higher quality, and you can be cheaper with AI because it has made that equation fundamentally different, uh, you know? And so it's really, so I always challenge anybody who I'm talking to on this and myself as well, can I go faster, cheaper, better all in one go? And I think that's an interesting way to think about it. And if you're not, if you don't have some kind of criteria against those points in some way, you might be missing out on an opportunity. So that's, that's how I think yep. about it. Even with higher quality, what about now your ability to bridge the gap between uh, synthesizing it and presentation of the of the solution and now you can go to implementation right you can go to implementation straight from it right it's almost like you could you can turn that into working code mm -hmm. um, uh, you know a lot more easily than it was before um, oh, so it's almost like an execute ex executable algorithm at this point you know so that's that's adding almost like you know that, that's higher quality better faster cheaper but it's also adding an entirely new dimension onto it of how do you turn that into actual executable? Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I, I do a lot of conversations around like, how do I get started or how should I be thinking about this or whatever? So I, I've just been hit with that so many times. And for me, I really like to bring it down to what are you going to personally get value out of? Like what personally would bring value to you and start there. And a couple of examples, like one, one example, like when I first got started nerding out on this, I was like, oh, I bet I could do this. And what this was, was I, I built an app that just ran locally, but you can hit it on the cloud where I could ask my kids in the morning while we're getting ready for school, what is one topic that you want to learn about? And my kids go to a French immersion program and they would tell me, and, and I know what they're interested in. So the browser would come up, you put in the one thing they're interested in, the one thing they want to learn about. It would, it would all automatically, it would write, it would write a story that brought the two things together. It would send it to Amazon to turn it into to text. It would translate it to French. It would also uh, do the, the French voice. Then it would go to mid-journey, grab an image. Then it would pull that down, turn it into a video. Then it would load it up to my YouTube channel automatically with the API. And then in the time it would take us to have breakfast, I'd have a five-minute bilingual clip of what my kid was interested in and what they wanted to learn about that we could then listen to on the way to school. And I just want to do that because I thought it'd be fun. And I wanted a way to like what my wife and I were on a walk and we wanted a way to teach our kids about topics that we cared about that they, we didn't think they were necessarily getting taught about in school. So how do you do that? So that was where the idea came from. It doesn't really matter what, what the thing is, but the point is for me to have been able to do that six or I guess at that point a year ago, no, first of all, no way, 
not without like two yeah. years of education. And, and, and I, I did that yeah. in a weekend because I was like really interested in, in trying to figure out how to do it. And I just got you know, user implementation guides and chat GPT. And so it's like, yeah. This, you can use ChatGPT to tell you how to yes, do it. Yes, it was like crazy fast. So whatever the thing is, it's like what would be interesting and valuable to you, you know, and then go figure out how to make it happen. And then you learn so many of the mechanics along the way. And then it's like, oh, now yeah. I can now I can turn this into some professional stuff that I can really I can use. Yeah. And that, that and then and the gears really get turning. What are you hearing from people that are, you know, maybe this is their first exposure to it and they really don't have a huge amount of experience in trying to come up with use cases, things like that. What what are some of the things that you hear consistently? Well, I think one, one thing you run into a lot is people say that they've tried it and it didn't work or they didn't like it or wasn't good enough. And a lot of people have a misconception okay. that generative AI is like a, uh, like you can give it a question and it'll give you an answer. And that's not really what it is, right? It's you give it a question right. and it will give you a response that looks right, you know? And yeah. just because it looks right doesn't mean it is right. And so, so you have to know what does good look like for the thing that you're trying to do to be able to know is this good or not. And if you don't know what good looks like, then it's risky, but there's ways to get around that. And if you do, then you're in better shape. And so you have to start by understanding like what is something that you, that you, that you would have enough domain expertise to be able to look at it and know if it's good or not. And if, if you if you don't know, because usually you get somebody who's trying to, you know, hack something they're trying to get done and they don't know how to get started. Well, the, the approach I tell them is, well, where would you have gone previously? What sources would you have looked at previously? And then just go down the path of grabbing all the source material from there and running that to ChatGPT to give you the steps that you should take to then go back to ChatGPT and do it again. So it's like, how do I go get the, the good knowledge from good places to guide me in the new stuff? So, and and because of what I do with go to market, it'd be like, how do I come up with a marketing plan? Or how do I position my thing? Or how do I come up with a product name? Or how do I, you know, like, sure, you could just go to TechGPT and say, give me a product name, but there's a thousand ways that could go wrong, you know? So it's like, how, what order should you go in to, to get a better result, right? Yeah, it's like working with anybody, right? You got to have a, a little back and forth and iterative nature of how to uh, drill down into it and figure out how to work together. Yeah, um, it's so different with uh, with uh, with an LLM. Yeah, I I joke. I think this joke has been said many times at this point, but I jokingly say it's this it's the most capable, most ignorant intern I've ever had. Like it doesn't know anything yeah. about my business at all or anything about what I do, but it is right. really smart. So if I can tell it what to do properly, it's going to kill it for me. And so I've had a lot of interns yeah. in my life and a lot of good experiences with interns. So I'm used to like, how do I build this project in a way that my intern can go do it? And it's like, there's a lot of finesse that goes into that. Well, if you take that kind of same approach with ChatGPT and you're kind of like, okay, intern, yeah. here's what you got to go do. You know, then it could do great work, but you still yeah, own that's a, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, yeah. It's like five it's like having five hundred genius uh uh interns, yeah. right? Who have never done anything before and now you've got to figure out how do we corral them and make sure that they don't launch the missiles. But man, five hundred genius IQ, you know, yeah. uh interns could probably do a lot of damage and get a lot of stuff done too. Yeah. That's pretty powerful, yeah. especially when there's an infinite, an infinite amount of them. We can just have as many as we want. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, so you don't you don't give mission critical tasks to an intern, right? Like, no, don't do that, right? But right. if it's a task that you got to do all day long or that you can very quickly vent or whatever, then you then you can do it. Yeah. Now that's not to say you can't give mission critical stuff to AI at some point. Just don't do that on day one because you definitely well, want to. You might want to just you know listen to what the answer is from your genius intern. <laughs> And sure. see if it and see if it kind of checks out, yeah. you know, because yeah. uh, it, it 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 may very well be a great answer. It might very well be a good uh, a good test. Yeah. So prediction wise, now you know we've had we've had a big long decade here in the last year. <laughs> what do you think the next year looks like at this point? This is a tough one because is, yeah. it, is it growing? Is it going to grow exponentially? Is adoption going to happen exponentially? And what does that even look like? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I was thinking about writing something on this, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to do 10, 10 things that I think I'll do with AI this year, uh, you know, instead of trying to say what the world will do with okay. AI. But I'll try to answer your question, too. But I, I think, well, first of all, it's going to keep, like, it's going to keep getting more sophisticated. Uh, you know, I read this uh, statement the other day. I can't remember who said it. Uh, the AI you're using today is the dumbest AI you're going to use, right? Like it's only going to get smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter. And that's almost daily. Right. And so it's definitely going to get more sophisticated. They've already, GPT's already said GPT fives coming, you know, you can already see the token Gemini dropped in the last couple of weeks or whatever, you know, all this stuff coming out. So for sure. And then the accessibility of these different tools, like, you know, generating ads and generating, even the image creation has just come so far so fast. So I think that the tools are going to get more accessible and more easy to use and more ubiquitous and, and almost more expected. You know, my kids already just expect this stuff to be able to be done now. And they're seven and nine yeah. because of how much we use it around the house because I want them to learn it. You know, so it's like that expectation is going to continue to shift and you're going to see it everywhere. I already see it on my Amazon reviews. I already see it in the Google results, like everything. So the flip side of that is all these competitive advantages of the past that were, if I can go faster or if I can automate, I'll have a competitive advantage. I think that's dead. I don't think speed or automation is a competitive advantage anymore because literally anyone can do it for like $30 a month. So, so it's going to have to be more authentic or more real or more connected to the audience. Like realistically, as much as the tool in the short term has the ability to make you lazy, it's actually going to have to make you work a lot harder. And I think Marketing in particular has gotten lazy over the last five years because it's all been who can buy what tech, you know, to, to do the scaling. And at this point, anybody can, like yeah. anybody can scale it. So it's like people are all inundated. So so it doesn't matter if you can scale it anymore. Now it matters like, are you actually good at this? You know. So I think you're yeah. gonna have to be. Better. How do you tie that? How do you tie that workflow together to be a better? Uh, you know, that's your proprietary knowledge right now. How do you tie all that marketing? Uh, automation together, all that, all those tools, all that uh, additional AI tools on top, on top of it, all the generative stuff. At that point, you know, you've got an explosion yeah. of of things. So your proprietary ability is your is how do you uh, orchestrate that in a fashion that can drive that can drive uh, return on investment. Absolutely, and and, and I think. I also think more conversations like these are happening and more people learning, more people getting up to speed and the university systems are going to start cranking out kids. Like I'm teaching two classes next semester and I got seniors in both. So they're going to be kids coming, kids quote, coming out of school, undergrad from these two universities who have had an entire semester worth of construction on how to use chat GPT. And if you're coming into the workplace with somebody who's only got been in the workplace five, seven years and they don't know how to use it for real, 
well, that yeah. that new grad yeah. really is going to be able to eat your lunch, you know, for real, because because yeah. like that body of knowledge that you have to get those first two three years of experience built up is going to be a lot less of a competitive advantage, you know. So, but yeah. but to be a bit more interesting, uh, my personal, I think what I'm going to figure out in the next twelve months, I really want to figure this out, is I want ChatGPT to do my grocery shopping for me. And what I mean by this is I already go in my kitchen and say out loud, what do I have? What do I not have? What do I want? And I've already taken pictures of my pantry and been like, what do I need? You know, and I already pull up my Harris Teeter e-commerce app and look at all the stuff and buy it. What I want ChatGPT to do for me is to look at Harris Teeter and Target at the same time, see which one's cheaper and add it to my list. And I'm gonna figure this out. And, and I think that what in that context, you could apply this to anything. Consumers going to have so yep. much more power because I'll tell you I've been doing this forever. Well, if you can you can totally solve awesome. that because you could take away all the the recipes on uh, Google that are like seven thousand page dissertations <laughs> before you can get to the uh, actual recipe yeah. itself. You could just feed all that in and tell it what you want, and it could give you back the grocery list for it. That would be uh, I would I would use that immediately. We should work on that <laughs> together because that would be like. That would save me like hours and hours a week. Well, I already have. I, I, have, a, idea. I have a very solidly working. It will generate your meal plan with your grocery list uh, for all your meals based on your preference. Like that works uh, like really well. Yeah. The magic is in somebody who's nerded out on this. Like, like if you follow the circulars, one grocery store chain will be doing promos on this and the other on this. And the way it works out is they expect you to buy all your stuff there. Well, if you buy only half yeah. here and half there and you work it right, you save like 50 bucks. But if you only save 50 bucks and it takes you an hour, was it worth it? Maybe, maybe not. But if it takes right, you right. no time or two minutes, it was worth it. And I signed up for the free delivery for a year for 90 bucks. So if they're going to deliver it to my house and I don't have to do anything and it does it for me, so that's what I want to figure out. So anyway, like that's what I'm going to do. But the implications of that in general are now humans can use the machine to process a lot of information that used to take them the whole morning to process to, to go do a task that now can be done with automation to have it show up at your house, which is now with like all the stuff like shipped or whatever, you know, and you save yourself 50 bucks and spend no time doing it. And there's all kinds of uh, use cases like that. And the tech's already here. It's just knitting it together. So what I think is going to happen over the next year is lots of people are going to have ideas like that and they're going to knit them together and it's going to be a creator economy and you're going to be able to either go get it open source off GitHub, which a lot of people do, or get it for like five bucks and the power that that's going to be for ourselves is pretty incredible. It's incredible because you're democratizing this down to people having their own ability to create these kinds of things, you know, that it takes it takes the place of of the delivery system. It takes the place of the Alexa. It takes the place of, of a lot of things that were only the purview of big tech before, but now, um, you know, you can do this on a laptop. Yeah, or your cell phone. Like I literally do it on my phone. So yep. for sure, it's, it's incredible. Yep, and then we all get better tacos out Boom. of it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, time flies when you're having yeah. fun. That's about the time we have for this week, but we should do this again and follow up on the, uh, on the, on the grocery. App. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely show, I'll show you what I got already sometime, but yes, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It's a fun topic. It's a, it's a hot topic and something I certainly am passionate about. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Engelbertson, thanks for coming on. Thank you.